Hello stackers, this is Rhett, the DM for Stacker Dice, the 5th edition Dungeons & Dragons adventure that is set in the homebrewed world of Vardalon. Welcome to this week's episode. I want to tell you up front, it's going to be a little different. We've had some interesting things come up. First, Thane got sick with a fever. I'm happy to say he's doing better, but he simply wasn't in a fit state to record. We've also had some other things come up. Things we'll need to attend to. Adult life likes to throw us curveballs. I will have to say, we've been going along with our little show for more than 40 weeks, with an episode each week, so I guess it's just time that something threw us off our pace just a little. Not to worry, though. We should be back on track next week. In the meantime, I hope this bit of lore will help fill in the time. I know it's been fun for me to work with. In this short segment... I'll read a story first, and then fill in at the end with some commentary as I try to make clear my thoughts about where this all came from. One other note for fellow Dungeon Masters. I determined to treat this week's recording as something of a challenge. For those of you who have ever done a November National Novel Writing Month, this may feel familiar to you. I've patterned it after a word sprint. On Thursday evening, I set myself a time limit of 30 minutes to come up with a lore segment and write up some notes. Then, on Friday evening, I set an additional time limit of 90 minutes to write what you're about to hear. It's not polished, it's not complete, and, as a big disclaimer, there may even be some discrepancy here with what eventually becomes canon. This is my attempt to share some of the creative process with you, and I hope you like it. May I offer you a challenge? If you're a dungeon master and you're stuck in trying to come up with notes for your own game, try this time limit writing thing. I didn't do any preparatory work. I simply let the words flow and I'm surprised with some of the directions this went. I might even have gotten something that could be workable. Try it out. And if you do, I'd love to hear how it helped you. With that, let's get this episode going. The Shattering We rise from where we are, seeing the world turn below us. The wind blows over us, and it feels as though we're drifting backward in time. The girl stood, looking up at the sky. So much had happened over the last few weeks, so much uncertainty, so much upheaval, so much fear. Thank the one there was still the music. There had always been the music. It gave comfort, tied her into the world around her, made her feel like a part of her surroundings. The tones of her voice drew from subtle vibrations in the stone beneath her feet, from the trees and the grass, from the very air that moved around her. But something was not right, and had not been for some time. The music had been feeling weak, distorted, and, did she dare to admit it, discordant. Her city, perched in the walls of a narrow canyon, rose level upon level from where she stood next to the river at the canyon's floor. Cold mist rose from the splashing waters, and everything around her in this favorite place was damp. 
From where she stood looking up, she could see where the delicate walkways connected mansions that peeked out of the rocky faces of cliffs nearly a mile high. Silk banners fretted in the evening breeze, and the last golden light of day shone along the river's length. The sights were comforting, familiar, and solid. For a moment the girl closed her eyes and took a deep breath, drawing in the dampness of the air. Somewhere farther down the gorge was the rumble of a waterfall, but the portents in the sky forced her eyes back open. They were just too worrisome to shut out for too long. Others up and down the canyon were gathered, speaking in hushed tones that seemed to echo far too easily, carrying snippets of conversation to the girl's ears. She shook her head angrily, letting the music well up in her. She laid her arms against her side, looked up, and sang softly. Oh, to be like the birds, winged messengers of the heavens. Oh, to soar and to know the kiss of the sun. Her feet left the ground, as she knew they would, as they had many times before. The whispered conversations fell away in the rush of the breeze, and she flew up, 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 leaving at last the close walls of the canyon. Still she rose, steadily climbing toward the last blushing light of the purple sky in the west. Stars stippled the night sky to the east. The music carried her away into the unkept lands above the city. With a sigh, she drifted over tumbled rock, twisted trees, letting her feet touch down as she released the song. Yes, Something was definitely off. She landed harder than she intended, her teeth clacking as she came down hard. She had to run a few steps along a broad piece of exposed stone to lessen her speed, bracing herself against another piece to come to a full stop. The last notes drifted into uncomfortable silence. It was much quieter up here. A fitful breeze tugged at the branches of a nearby tree which shrieked in wooden protest at the disturbance. Not comfortable, but at least it was away from the whispers, the fearful glances, and the pinched faces of those who worried about something well beyond anyone's reach. She rested her chin on a convenient branch, trying to make sense of what she was seeing. There in the sky, two great lights shone. One bright white trailing into yellow shone in the growing dark. It was where it had always been. A sliver of light that was sometimes silver, sometimes golden, but always there. Her people had written songs about this light, praised it as the source of their magic. Each night was a celebration to the music that ran through everything. Then, a few weeks ago, the dark light had appeared. It was the reverse of the white light, a void that seemed to draw in the warmth of the stars it passed. Coming from the east, this unlight had appeared suddenly with no warning. Those who watched the heavens had been puzzled at first, then curious, then concerned. It advanced slowly, night after night, making its way through the stars toward the great white light. It was uncanny, really, how unerringly it made its way. The two lights were touching now. The edges of the black light seemed to curl around the white, Arms reached like bands across the white light's surface, and from her lowly place, there against the tree, the girl gasped. The white light seemed to writhe, 
to distort as the clutching arms drew tighter. It dimmed noticeably, the light wobbling and washing out. Then with a last wink, the lights, both black and white, flared with unusual intensity, and the world below was bathed in a blinding, silent flash. The girl gasped again, reaching to cover her mouth. In the sky, great gleaming pieces flew in all directions. After an eternity, some began flaming in different colors and spread. She saw much larger pieces falling toward the ground, thrown apart by the force of the explosion. Then came the splitting sound, like the air itself being torn apart, and distantly, as though from many miles away, the girl heard screams of terror from the canyon. At the same time as the first of the large pieces hit the atmosphere, the ground below began to buckle and heave. Great waves of force rolled through the ground, lifting entire sections and dropping others entirely away, tumbling into the inner parts of the world. Groaning cracks sounded all around as the land tore apart. The girl clutched at the tree, feeling her fingers try to sink into the gnarled trunk. Tears streamed down her face, partly for the destruction of all the places she had known, but also for another reason. She could not sing. Her first instinct had been to flee, to return to her home, to her parents, to where she just knew it had to be safe. But when she opened her mouth, the only sound she could muster was flat and lifeless. She tried again. The notes were right, yes. The words were definitely the same, but the fluttering feeling, the sensation that had been part of her from the earliest moments of her life, the feeling that magic was happening, was gone. A part of who she was had disappeared, and she didn't know where it had vanished. Tears streaming down her face, she crouched in the lee of the stone slab as things falling from the night sky began to hit around her. They struck hard, clinging off the stone skittering into the darkness. One hit the tree where she had just been standing. With a whiz and a snap, a branch sheared off the tough old tree, falling with a crash to the ground. Something shiny rolled to the girl's feet. She picked it up, brushed the fragments of tree bark off the sharp edges, and held it up in wonder. It was a shining piece of crystalline stone. From within its depths, a light blue light was blossoming as she touched it with her fingers, and a warmth ran up her arm and down her spine as she heard an echo of the music she had sung only minutes before. She clutched the stone with both hands, watching the light flare now, and she willed the music to return. The edges of the stone were hot and sharp, and she bit her lip to keep from crying out. The music wound around her mind, and at the start of her words, Oh, to be like the birds. She felt her feet begin to leave the ground, but then the music danced just out of reach, and she fell back to the ground. She opened her hand to look at the stone. It lay there, glittering with its cold blue light, the teardrop shape glistening mockingly. The sounds of falling stone slowed, and then stopped, and at length the girl crawled cautiously out from her scant shelter. Voices sounded from nearby. She ran toward them, screaming something, anything, and fell at last into welcoming arms. Her people. Some had survived the canyon's ruin. They had made their way above, hoping against hope to find a measure of safety. Someone shouted, pointing northward, and they all ran back to the stone slab just in time to see the flaming piece fall into the ground, miles upon miles away. It seemed to move more slowly than it ought to have. 
The watching people strained to see that which they could not prevent. They watched in silence as the point hit the ground and turned their faces as a flash of light rolled over the vast distance toward them. The girl leaned against the tree once more. The music might not be what it once was, but it was something. Her eyes stared off across the plains, in the direction of the pillar of stone, and she clutched the stone tightly to herself. When Thane and I were first walking in the afternoon and talking about what we wanted our game world to be, we, of course, started at a convenient place, and that was, what was the big deal about this world? We had to come up with something that would make it at least somewhat compelling to think about. And so as we talked, we did a lot of trying to figure out what was going to make our world feel different from others. And of course, by this point, it's really difficult to come up with a world that doesn't draw upon someone else's work already. But one of the things that came to mind as we were talking about this, and I think I've mentioned this in previous recordings, is that uh, as a kid, I was a huge Tolkien fan. It's still, he's still one of my favorite authors. I, <laughs> my confession is that I've tried to read The Silmarillion a couple times, and uh, one of these days I will get through it. But as I was talking with Thane, I, I remembered the creation myth that Tolkien set forth in that book, that there was one of the Iluvatar named Eru, and he was uh, basically the creator of Middle-earth. And the way he created it that really struck me, basically in his myth, Tolkien wrote that Eru was a singer. He sang the world into existence. He created his children, and together they sang, and as they sang, various things came into being. But it was through the discordant song of another that evil began to creep into the world. Things began to become distorted, and so that's how he explained the presence of the orcs and various other evil things, the, the ill things that happen in Middle-earth. And so as Thane and I were talking, I thought, well, as long as we acknowledge this up front, as long as we let people know that, yes, we are borrowing from others, I don't think there's a problem with that. Uh, and certainly we wanted to try and add our own flavor to what we were doing with this. And so I think we've come to somewhat of a middle ground there where we have the nod to Tolkien in the, the presence of music being such a big factor in this world. But at the same time, having physical manifestations of the past in the form of Starstone. I really wanted to tie in music to this world in a way that influenced how people used magic and thought about magic. And so that was just kind of a neat starting point, I thought. And so it, it was through our discussions that we eventually hit upon the idea of Starstone, of this fragmented piece of an old god that contained a magical essence that if you if you were attuned to it properly you could actually tap into that old magic and use it in a way that had not been done for years and years and years and years so that's where starstone came from and that's what the story i just read had to do with was the formation of these starstones the 
the pillars that we've been hearing about in recent episodes, I wanted to go back in time and take a look from the point of view of somebody who lived through that experience, somebody who saw that moment when the two great lights, representative of the two gods, broke apart and scattered this stone, the pieces of themselves across the surface of this world. As we continue to develop this world, I really think it's going to be a lot of fun to try and see more and more how the music, how the Star Stone affects the state of magic. I do have some fun things planned, but again, the beauty of Dungeons and Dragons is that not everything is planned, not everything is scripted, and that's where it becomes fun. That's where you really get into the creative aspect of the game. So I'm looking forward to seeing as the players further understand the nature of Starstone, where it comes from, what it's capable of. We'll get some interesting things. I also have alluded to this in past episodes that there are going to start being some things that lead toward world-changing events through the use of Starstone and uh, these pillars that the party is in search of. I also thought it was going to be neat to have music be a part of the game in a way that I've never really seen a game use before. In fact, when I was first contemplating a design for the logo for our podcast, I came up with an idea of a 20-sided die, which of course everyone has that incorporated somewhere in their D&D podcast logo, with a wand coming off of it, and then a bolt of lightning coming off the end of the wand, so that basically it looked like a quarter note. And I really wanted that tie there of music and magic being intimately connected. Everything I came up with, though, looked as though I had scribbled it into a high school notebook, and so I called up my brother, who is a graphic designer, and asked him if he would be willing to take some time to come up with a logo. And so the logo we have now is actually courtesy of my brother, so thank you. I wouldn't mind at some point revisiting and trying to see if there's a better way to visually show that connection, that that closeness of magic and music that I have in my mind for this game. Through the game, I have tried to tie in elements of music as we go. And so early on, when I had Tira's lullaby, the, the song that her mother used to sing to her to get her to fall asleep, I really wanted that to be a part of the story. And if I were more musically inclined... I would definitely want to have more music actually integrated with the show. Music that we sing, music that we compose a little bit on our own and then inject it into the show. But I'm curious to know how other dungeon masters use music. So if you've added music to your game, I'm not talking about as a background or a sound effect or something like that, but actually infused music into your world, that would be neat for me to hear about. I'd love to hear how you have used music in your games. Music is a powerful thing. There's something about it that really causes us to perk up when we hear it. There's something that makes us pay attention more. And that's why advertisers use jingles, or used to anyway. There's something about a tune, especially a catchy one, or a sad one, or something that fits the mood or the, the moment that really draws someone in. It's how we learned our ABCs when we were growing up. It's how kids learn nursery rhymes sometimes. 
there's just a really neat tie between memory, awareness, and learning when music is involved. And it could very well be a very powerful thing when playing the game with kids. I don't know if anyone has played a game with kids and incorporated music into it. Again, I'd love to hear about any of your experiences with music and role-playing. But just trying to get a sense for how other dungeon masters in our community are using music to enhance your games, that'd be really neat to get to know about. Because I'm approaching this podcast as a learning experience. I came into this knowing that I was going to be learning and growing as I did it, and I am. I've been listening to lots of other podcasts, trying to see how they run their games, learning from other dungeon masters about how they create their non-player characters, how they create compelling stories. And so to me, it's just kind of been a neat experience of growth. I've been a DM now since the mid-90s, off and on. But even with that length of experience, there is so much more that I can pick up. And so I've, I've been actively listening to other shows and just trying to gain from them better ways of running my own game. And I think some of that has crept into this game. So I just appreciate the willingness for others to share their creativity with the world, for giving us a peek into your own minds as you go about crafting your podcasts and sharing those adventures and stories with us. It's really neat to be able to see what you think of as adventure. And with that, I want to thank you for joining me on this really just a, a, a personal challenge to fill in an otherwise empty week, but also to perhaps challenge yourselves as you try to maybe take a couple of hours to write something without any constraints, no inner editor, no cutting what you write, just getting words down and seeing what comes out. Because when you force yourself to really push words out, sometimes those words work in very surprising ways. So again, my appeal to any Dungeon Masters listening to this episode, if you take it upon yourself to try the two-hour writing challenge, to just get some ideas down, if you feel like sharing the results of that with us, Love to see that. If you incorporate music into your games, love to hear about that. That's really about all I have. I know this has been an odd week, an odd episode, but we definitely appreciate you listening, and we hope you'll join us again for our next adventure here at Stack of Dice. <laughs>